Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, we'll read in unison. The Word of God says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for these Amazing verses. The first reminds us of our debt. Uh, The second reminds us of our hope. And Lord, we're glad that when we couldn't save ourselves, you saved us. And you made salvation free and available to anybody who will accept it. We pray today that the gospel would go forth with power and with clarity. Lord, we pray that those who are saved would realize just the depth of their salvation, just one more facet of its beauty. We pray most of all that you'd glorify yourself in us and through us, for thou alone art worthy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We've been in our series on Sunday mornings this fall, The Beauty of Salvation. And I'm enjoying this series You know, the technicalities of salvation are just incredible. The fact that we who were so lost could now be so saved. It's just amazing. But I fear that sometimes in rejoicing in the fact of salvation, we may miss the beauty of salvation. There's no greater love story than that, that God loved the world and gave his only begotten son. And our salvation is not just technically perfect but it's beautiful in every sense of the word. And so uh, one week we talked about conception, the fact that we can be born into the family of God. What a beautiful truth that is, that just as you love your children, God loves you. Just as you cared for and provide and protect your children, that's how God wants to provide and protect and care for you. Then we talked about the beauty of adoption. You know, when we have children, biologically, we can't choose them. Uh, We didn't have a choice about which of our children would be born first or which children we would have. That was up to God. But adoption has to do with choice, where you look at a child where there's no connection other than your love to them, and you choose to love them, and you choose to bring them in and make them a part of your family. And we see the beauty of salvation. Not only do we have the connection with God through through conception, just as if we were born to him, because we were through the new birth. But God adopted us into his family, that he chose us in spite of us. He knew exactly who we were, and he chose to love us and bring us into his family. And then the beautiful illustration of the Roman law, where if, uh, if someone adopted a child, that child could not be disowned. And we see the security of our salvation through adoption. So if you're here this morning and you're saved, you're twofold the child of God, once through the new birth and once through adoption. And praise the Lord for that. Uh, But then today we look at the beauty of salvation, this word redemption. Redemption. Uh, Humans love a good redemption story. A story where it looks like everything was falling apart, where there was no hope, and then all of a sudden it turns around. Matter of fact, every famous book, every famous movie has this tension and there's a redemption that runs through that because mankind is drawn to these stories of redemption. There's some type of conflict uh, 
and then there's a deliverance. Uh, and so uh, that is borne out through the gospel plan, of course. And today I want to talk about this, this beautiful truth of redemption. The word redemption is used 20 times in your King James Bible. They use re- the word redeem is used 139 times. And so redemption runs all the way through the Bible. Redeem very simply means to buy back. Uh, I love the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and I recommend you use one for your Bible study just because uh, it's, it's so untainted uh, and, and pure. And Noah Webster was uh, a good believer himself. But the word redeem means to purchase back, to ransom, to liberate or rescue from captivity or bondage. It means to repurchase what has been sold, to regain the possession of a thing alienated by repaying the value to its possessor. It means to rescue, to recover, to deliver. We can see the word uh, redemption means in Webster's 1828 Dictionary, the repurchase of captured goods or prisoners. It means deliverance from bondage, distress, in theology, and this is one reason why I love Webster's 1820 Dictionary, because he often used uh, theological and godly examples and even Bible verses in his explanations. It says, in theology, that redemption is the purchase of God's favor by the death and the, and the sufferings of Christ, the ransom or deliverance of sinners from the bondage of sin and the penalties of God's violated law by the atonement of Christ. Hey, that's not in a theological book. That's in the dictionary. And praise God for the truth that was found there. When we study redemption, we go back to the Old Testament. Redemption was a familiar theme in Jewish life. And we're not going to go through all of that, but a Jew could redeem several things uh, as he went through his life. Uh, We see in Leviticus 25, verses 23 through 24, that family land that had been sold could be redeemed. So if you remember, God gave each family a certain amount of possessions uh, according to each tribe, and a family could sell a piece of land, but he had a certain amount of time to buy it back so that it stayed in the family. And then, of course, the law of Jubilee, which is a great study, every 50 years, certain things in Jewish life just reset, where everything would go back to the way God had originally intended it. And so we see that a family could redeem uh, land that had been sold. We see in Leviticus 25, verse 25, that a, a Jew could redeem possessions. And so, for example, if he was poor and he sold away some of his possession and someone in his family uh, bought it, then he had a certain amount of time to come back and buy back that which he had sold to his brother. Kind of the first pawn shop, if you will. Amen. Amen. And uh, then we see a Jew could redeem a city dwelling. And so Leviticus 25, verse 29 uh, says, If a man sell a dwelling in a walled city, then he may redeem it within a whole year after it's sold. Within a full year may he redeem it. And so they even had a year if they sold a, a, a city house versus actual land outside, part of their possession. If they just sold part of their dwelling inside the city, they still had a year to buy that back. What does that mean? I sold it or I lost possession of it, but I can buy it back. If I pay a sum of money, I can bring it back to myself and it can still be mine. 
we see that an indentured servant could be redeemed. And so oftentimes in, in Jewish life, an indentured servant, or they would sell themselves to, into a work life or, or slavery, but they could be bought back out of that. They could be redeemed out of that servitude uh, by the price of redemption. That's in Leviticus 25.51. And so we see when you study the Old Testament, the, the Jewish mind was filled with these concepts of redemption. I can have something, I can lose it, but then if I have the wherewithal, I can buy it back to me if I can pay the price. When we see the story of Ruth, and we won't go into it, you see the story of Ruth and Boaz, and Ruth came and, and she came back and to the, the uh, uh, land there, and then Boaz, if you remember the story, beautiful love story there, he wanted to buy her, buy all of her possessions, which means she would come with that. But there was a kinsman, there was a family member of Ruth's husband that was between her and Boaz. And so he went to the family member and said, there's all these possessions here. And if you want to redeem it, then redeem it. And the family member said, oh, I'll redeem it. I'll buy it back. I'll, I'll get it back into my family. But then Boaz said, oh, by the way, if, if you buy it back, you get Ruth. Well, she was a Moabitess, and the man said, oh, no, I don't, I don't want it if I have to take her. And so he, he let uh, Boaz redeem it, and then, of course, Ruth became his wife, and interesting, Ruth eventually ended up into the uh, lineage of Christ himself. And so a beautiful love story there, but all throughout Jewish life, I'm just trying to lay the foundation, that all throughout Jewish life, there was this concept of redemption. However, they didn't really understand the concept of salvation being a form of redemption. That's really not found until we get into the New Testament. Even though in Exodus 15, 13, let me read this verse to you. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy habitation. Of course, Exodus 15, that song of praise after the Israelites had been delivered from Egypt, God taught them that that was a redemption. You were went into Egypt, and then I bought you back. I brought you back to myself, and God saw that as a redemption. But we don't see uh, the story of redemption really played out as clearly as it is in the New Testament uh, let me show you a few verses here. Look at Psalm 49. Look at several verses here. Aren't you glad you got a Bible? Yes. Psalm 49. The Old Testament does talk about redemption. And salvation is a story of redemption. And really from Genesis to Revelation, we see the crimson strand of redemption running throughout the entire Bible. Psalm 49.8, a wonderful verse, it says, For the redemption of their soul is what? Precious, and it ceaseth forever. And so God says, listen, the, the redemption, redemption is precious to God, and salvation is a story of redemption. Look at Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 111. Psalm 111, and look at verse 9. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. And so we see redemption, the redemption unto his people. Look at Psalm 130. Psalm 130, 
Psalm 130. And look at verse 7. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with Him is plenteous redemption. And He shall redeem Israel from all of His iniquities. Boy, what a prophetic verse. Imagine up to this place in history, all the different times God had redeemed Israel. How many times had God drawn them close to Himself, and then they sell themselves back into sin? They sell themselves back into iniquity. They serve false god after false god. They fall in with heathen culture after heathen culture. How many times did God redeem them back to Himself? Oh, but my friend, uh, we see looking forward from this moment through, we see the, the coming of the Messiah and who He who would come that would not just redeem the Israelites, but that would make salvation available to every Israelite and to every Gentile who would ever live through faith in the Messiah. My, with Jehovah, with the Lord, is plenteous redemption. He's got enough to go around. There's enough salvation for you this morning. You say, oh, preacher, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the things in my past. I don't need to know, but I know with God there is plenteous redemption. There's enough salvation for everybody. And praise the Lord for that. So we see that salvation is a story of redemption that runs from Genesis to Revelation. We see repeatedly in the Bible, God talks about redemption, even building into everyday Jewish life, these illustrations of redemption that, that would be symbolic of the great redemption of the soul. Someone may ask, well, preacher, why do we need redemption? Well, we need redemption because of our sin. Amen. See, when Adam sinned, he plunged the entire human race into sin and destruction. Look at Romans chapter 5. And look at verse 12. Romans five twelve. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, that was Adam, and death by sin. Remember, God told him, in the day that you'll eat of it, you shall surely die. They didn't die physically, they died spiritually in that moment. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And see, when Adam sinned, he plunged the entire human race into sin and destruction. Uh, we need a Savior, folks. Every one of us is lost. We're lost by birth and by choice. We were passed on a sin nature, but, but friend, we have chosen to sin countless times. How many times have we chosen to do what we know is not right? You say, well, if I was in that place, I would have made a different choice than Adam. Really? Theologically, the Bible teaches we were all in Adam. Therefore, we made the same choice. Don't be pro so presumptuous to think, well, if I'd been there, I would have made a different choice. My friend, I think Adam was a lot better guy than I am. And he had no, he had no bend to sin. But Satan's so good at his job. He got Adam and Eve to sin. Death passed upon all men. Look at Romans 5.8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
See, we need a Savior. I'm glad that God didn't wait for us to get better before He saved us. He said, no, I'm going to save you to make you better. Uh, you're, you have no part in salvation other than belief. You can't clean yourself up enough. You can't make yourself better enough. The truth is, just get saved and God will make you better from the inside out. See, we need redemption because when Adam and Eve sinned, we all became sinners. We need redemption because when Adam sinned, the penalty of Lucifer's rebellion was passed on to mankind. Let me read a verse for you, Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And so this is what the Lord might say to those or will say to those who have rejected him. They don't know him. And he said, he said, I don't know you. He said, you're cursed. You need to go to this place of torment called hell. But notice that, that the Lord teaches us that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was not made for man. Hell was not made for you. It was made for the devil and his angels. But then when mankind chose to sin like the devil sinned, in rebellion against God, then that same penalty transferred onto mankind. We need redemption. Because without Christ, every lost soul is headed for an eternal torment in a terrible place called hell. Furthermore, we see that when Adam sinned, the dominion that God gave Adam at creation, at his creation, passed to Satan. Adam lost the dominion that God gave him. There's many verses we could look at, but 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this, In whom the God, little g, of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. See, when Adam chose to sin, Satan became the God of this world, the little g God of this world. Satan's got an awful lot of power in this world. Matter of fact, the three great enemies of the Christian are the world, the flesh, and the devil. The entire world system under satanic direction has become the enemy of the child of God. We need redemption. We're lost. We live in a corrupted earth. Adam lost so much when he chose to sin. It's kind of like you and I. You know, often we don't realize what we're losing when we choose to sin. You say, well, I know I'll sin here a little bit, but it'll only, it's only a little sin. It's only this or this. Or it's, my friend, I, I fear that oftentimes we don't know what we're losing when we sin. That's why we just need to do right. Trust the Lord. Why do we need redemption? Because of sin. But the Bible teaches us that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can be bought back from sin and death. I love this. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that was that payment sufficient to pay the sin debt and to bring us back into fellowship with God. Look at Romans chapter 6. It 
You see, once we are redeemed, we're no longer slaves to sin. Look at Romans 6, 17 and 18. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants, or slaves, of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, that's the gospel, being made free from sin, ye became the servants of unrighteousness. See, when God delivers us and we trust Christ, not only is that sin debt canceled, but the shackles of sin are broken in our lives. Now look at me. You may still choose to sin, but you don't have to sin. You may still choose to live according to the old life, but you don't have to. Because the power of the gospel is sufficient not only to save your soul one day, but to deliver you from sin today. That's good news. So we can be redeemed from sin in this life and the life to come. But then look at at Romans chapter 8. We also see that creation is redeemed as well. And one of these days, creation itself will be delivered. Romans chapter 8, verse 21. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the, what's the next word? Redemption of our body. And so the Bible says, just like you and I are looking forward to that day, our souls can be redeemed. One of these days we'll be redeemed in our bodies. This old body will be transformed formed and glorified into a sinless body in heaven, creation itself is waiting to be delivered from the bondage that sin caused. And one of these days there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, Revelation 21 and 22 tells us. And so creation itself is waiting for redemption. Folks, you got to understand, before Adam sinned, there was no sin in this world. There were no meat-eating animals. Roses didn't have thorns. There was no poison ivy, no poison oak, no poison sumac. Nothing had ever died. Adam never got too cold, too hot, too hungry, too tired. But when Adam and Eve sinned, not only did he die, but shockwaves went through the entire creation, changing, corrupting, perverting the perfection that God originally spoke into existence. We live in this corrupt world. But even creation itself is looking for redemption. Amen. See, we need redemption. Why? Because of sin. And how can we be redeemed? Well, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that can buy us back from sin and death. Let me show you some great verses that show us that redemption is is found through Jesus Christ. We mentioned Romans 3, verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. My friend, there are churches all over America today teaching false gospels. They teach you you can go to heaven by being good enough. They teach you you can go to heaven by being baptized. They teach you you can go to heaven by eating a wafer or praying to a priest. They teach you you can go to heaven by giving enough money or by helping, helping enough people. 
this this new social gospel that, well, we're just going to we're not really going to preach the, the, the old fashioned gospel. We're just going to help people. I mean, we're just going to love people. We're just going to try to help the homeless and and all these things. And, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with being good. We should all be good citizens. But folks, you can you can feed somebody and give them a full belly and they still die a second later and go to hell. What we need to do is help them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And far more than people need a warm blanket or a warm meal, they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that alone that can cancel sin and bring us back into favor with the Father. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It amazes me how many people are frustrated by the gospel. They want to do something in order to be saved. Well, if you think you can do something in order to be saved, then you're not clearly seeing your own state. My friend, we are sinners. We're, if, if you think that you can do something, they, they say, well, I, I just don't believe in all that, that sinner stuff. And uh, One person said, Oh, I don't like going to that church over there. Why? Why? Well, they make me feel like a sinner. Well, you are a sinner. And if you're going to a church that makes you feel like anything different than a sinner, when you're lost, you're in the wrong place. Now, thank God, those, the right kind of church will not only make you see yourself as a sinner, but they'll point you to the Savior. And I can be a saved sinner. And I, I have worth, but it's not because I'm worthy. I have worth because Christ died for me. I have, I have a, a reason to live because God gave me one. And you try to find substance and sufficiency and significance outside of Jesus Christ, you're going to fail. In Him is all. He is our all in all. He alone is preeminent. One of these days, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm bowing my knee today. I'm not going to wait until that day when I'm forced to. It'll be too late then. But I bowed my knee a long time ago. Jesus saved my soul. He redeemed me from sin and death and hell. I'm so thankful. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. I look at verse 29 because it's good. That no flesh should glory in His presence. My preacher used to say the most dangerous place to stand is between God and His glory. He gets the glory. Verse 30, But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, whom of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and what? Redemption. Why? That according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. See, folks, when you understand that you're saved because of Christ, you can't help but praise Him. Right. If you think you can save yourself, man, what, that just allows boasting. 
that allows us to get puffed up. Well, I'm better than you, and I've given more than you, and I'm more faithful church member than you, and I'm a better this, and I'm better that, and I pray more, and I've been to the Vatican, and I've been here, and I've been on missions trips. My friend, when it comes to heaven, all that means nothing. The only thing that matters is what say you of Jesus. But whenever you realize that He's the redemption, then that leads to glory. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Talking about redemption. The beauty of salvation. Ephesians chapter 1. And look at verse 7. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. I want you to look at me. There's a lot of Christians out there trying to promote a bloodless gospel. The Bible's very clear. It's by the blood that we're saved. Even back in the Old Testament, without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. People say, well, that's a bloody gospel. Well, that might sound terrible to you, but that's because you don't understand how terrible your sins are. Our sins are so much more sinful than we have a a, a concept of, far greater than our imagination. You understand sin is so terrible. Sin is so destructive. That the one sin that plunged mankind into death and hell was taking a bite of a piece of fruit. Not murder. Not adultery. Plain, simple disobedience. God said this, and man said, I'll do it my way. And sin is so terrible, so destructive, that that one simple act sent shockwaves through the entire creation, through every man, woman, and child who would ever be birthed on the face of this planet. And we say, well, sin's not that bad. Oh, it's much worse than you can imagine. And let me tell you, I've done a lot worse than take a bite of a piece of fruit. It is no less than the blood of the sinless Son of God that bought our redemption. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Similar verse. Verse 14, let's read it together. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. See, redemption is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, I'll just read it to you. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. See, all the, old, the, the system of Old Testament sacrifices, that was symbolic of the Messiah that would come. 
And each one of those sacrifices would be a temporary covering for sin, but it could never be the final and full payment for sin. But it was only when the Messiah fully came, the virgin-born Son of God, all of God, all of man came, lived on this earth, died on the cross for you and me, the shedding of His perfect blood. And then the Bible says He took that and placed it on the mercy seat in heaven. Then sin was finished on the cross. Jesus said, it is finished. What, What does that mean? All the thousands of years of sacrifices, the countless bulls and goats and doves, All of it is done because the final payment has been made. It is finished. And Jesus Christ obtained eternal redemption for us. Redemption is all through the Bible, but one of the most amazing illustrations of redemption is found in the book of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet. He was a man of God, a preacher. And God said, Hosea, I'm going to have you act out my relationship with Israel. Hosea married a lady named Gomer. She was a harlot. She began to build a life with Hosea. They had three children. We won't go into all the significance of that. They had three children, which if you study was probably, it said after they were weaned, they had another one. After weaned, they had another one. Probably a period of at least six or seven years she lived with Hosea. But then she left the family to pursue her lovers. She left the kids, stopped coming home, in town playing the harlot. See, what Hosea do? Hosea remained faithful. He took care of the babies, took care of the kids, loved his wife. I'm sure that he prayed, begged the Lord that she would come home. She never did. And Israel said, Hosea, you're like me, and Gomer is like Israel. No matter what I do for them, Israel always cheats on me with false gods. And Hosea is a book of of prophetic destruction. He's talking about how Ephraim particularly and the northern kingdoms would suffer because of their unfaithfulness to God. But the beautiful thing is God keeps reminding them throughout that book, you're going to suffer but one of these days I'm going to bring you back to me. No matter what you do, no matter how far away you go, I'm going to bring you back to me. And this is played out in the life of Gomer the Bible, and Hosea. The Bible doesn't say how long, a period of time. But the Bible tells us the story that one day, Hosea chapter 3, One day Hosea is walking through what we believe is a slave market. And he just sees this older lady. He's an older man now. She's an older lady. He sees this lady up on the slave market being sold. She's used up. Debts. She gave the best of her life to foolishness and sin. 
But Hosea sees her and he recognizes her. This is Gomer. This is my wife. And Hosea 3 2 says very simply, So I bought her to me. The beautiful story is after all these years of unfaithfulness, Hosea spends money to buy his wife back out of a life of sin. That's how much he loved her. That's one of the most beautiful stories of redemption. And my friend, the, the beauty of salvation is that God spent the best he had. He gave the best he had for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for you. Jesus Christ left the throne room of heaven, left the eternal praise of angels, left the cherubim and seraphim singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And he laid aside his glory so he could be born in a dirty manger wrapped in the flesh of a child. He who spoke the worlds into existence couldn't talk. He who knew everything couldn't take care of himself. He, the Bible says, by whom all things consist, he literally is the glue that holds creation together so it doesn't all fly apart, had to be cared for by sinful parents. He lived for decades in this life, never once sinning. Also that one day he could go to a cross. And he's hanging on that cross and they're mocking him. And they're saying, physician, heal thyself. And they're saying, have God deliver you and we'll believe. And I believe he looks at the crowds before him. And through his deity, he sees the face of every person who ever has lived and ever will live. And he says, at this moment, I buy you back to me. Yeah. And he paid the price. Amen. Jesus told the story about a man who found a pearl of great price. And he went home and sold everything he had just so he could have that pearl. And there's a lot of truth in that, but can we just say that according to the gospel story, you are God's pearl of great price. You are what he looked at and said, I'll give everything for you. That's the beauty of redemption. When's the last time you just thank God for saving you? I pray today you'd just be so overcome with gratitude that that's how much God loves you.
that he redeemed us. He bought us back to himself. Paying for his pearl of great price. We sing the hymn, Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. If you're here this morning, you're not sure you're saved. Why in the world would you reject Christ? How in the world could you look the love of God right in the face and say, I don't want you? When Christ looks at you and says, I want you. I gave everything for you. And I'll accept you right now if you'll have me. I don't know how else to say it. Only a fool would say no to Christ. If you have said yes to him, then let's thank him with hearts of gratitude. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, we thank you. We're so unworthy. We thank you for redeeming us. We thank you for buying us back to yourself. We are your pearl of great price. And now you should be ours. Once we find Jesus, we should just sell out to you. My life's yours. My soul's yours. My heart's yours. Lord, I pray if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that's not saved, today would be the day where they put their faith in you. Would you right now confess your sin? Confess that you're a sinner unworthy to go to heaven. But right now you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You believe in the death, burial, and resurrection as payment for your sin. Ask Him to save you. Put your faith in Him once and for all. And Father, help us who are saved to just be filled with gratitude for buying us back. Heads about eyes are closed. Let's stand. As the piano plays, the altar's open.